A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. We've got a nuclear revenge story ruining a cousin's wedding. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, I got my classmate expelled because he messed with me. When you think of how lifelong feuds begin, what's the first thing that comes to mind? A family clash? A serious wrong done? One thing I'm certain you wouldn't think about when thinking of how feuds begin are tater tots. So it's a little odd and a bit funny too to say that that's how my rivalry with Justin began. It all started in 7th grade. I had just enrolled at Thomas Hudson Junior High School after my mom moved us out of Chicago following her divorce to my father. I was relatively awkward and didn't really talk much. During classes, I would try to pay as much attention as possible and avoid the side talks high school students were infamous for. During lunch, I'd find a table that looked accommodating to sit down at and eat silently. After school, I'd plug in my earphones and silently wait for my mom to come pick me up. As a result of my introversion, I became known as the silent kid, which was something I was fine with. The less attention I drew to myself, the better. A few months after I started school, I was having lunch at the cafeteria, alone with my thoughts, when Justin came up to me. I knew him as the joker in class, always setting up elaborate pranks and talking a lot of smack to teachers. The moment I saw the wide smirk he had on his face, I knew he was up to no good. I tried to focus on eating, but that didn't seem to deter him. Sup, weirdo, he called. I ignored him. You deaf or something? I said hello. What do you want? I asked, irritated. Oh, you suddenly got a sharp mouth now, huh, silent kid? Maybe that smart mouth is why your daddy left you, he shot at me. At this point, I was upset and a bit hurt. I had hoped that my parents being divorced would be something my classmates would never find out about, but I guess rumors move around pretty fast, even amongst junior high schoolers. However, I knew not to let him edge me on and give me a reaction. Go away, Justin, I said. Make me, he responded. I decided I'd just let him stand right there while I ate till he got the message and went off to do something more productive with his time. He instead decided to push my buttons even further. He hit my food tray. It skid off the table and my entire meal splattered all over the floor. Now, I like tater tots as much as the next American, but I wouldn't describe my love of tater tots as extreme or obsessive. But watching my tots on the ground there, something started to build deep within me. Something I'd never felt before. I don't recall bending down to grab a fistful of tater tots. I don't recall throwing the food at Justin with all my might. All I remember was my shoulder hurting as if it was bruised and the wild look on Justin's face. After a few seconds of processing what had just happened, he struck back, this time with his fists. Before I knew what was happening, a bunch of students had gathered around us and were cheering and jeering. A teacher had to rush in to pry Justin off me. We both got sent to the principal's office and our parents were called. When my mom got to school, she refused to believe that I had attacked another student, and I had to tell her that, yes, I had indeed thrown tater tots at Justin. I didn't feel it was proportional to what Justin did before and after that though. I mean, I wasn't the one who pummeled the other person half to death. Could everyone not see my bruises? The school had a strict no-fighting policy, and the principal decided to suspend Justin and I for a week. On the ride back home, my mom, after being silent basically the whole ride, asked why I had reacted. 
I told her he mentioned dad leaving us. She sighed and went off the route home to a popular restaurant in the heart of town. While we ate, she told me she knew it was hard for me to experience so many changes in my life, but it didn't mean I had to act or react negatively. She told me if anyone ever tried to get on my nerves, I had to try my hardest to stay level-headed and report to her. She made me promise to never hit another student, and I did. After the suspension had elapsed and I'd resumed, the principal called me into his office and talked to me about how I was coping. Apparently he had heard that I was having a bit of difficulty making friends, and suggested I talk to the school counselor to help me socialize better, and so I did. After a while, I started to talk to my classmates a little more, though I avoided Justin as much as I could. It just seemed clear to me that we could not get along. It certainly didn't help that he often called me names when he passed by me in the hallway, and one time even went as far as to start rumors about me. I mostly avoided him though, and as the school year went on, I made friends and bit by bit started to have a social life. One of the friends I made was Daniel, a weird mixture between a science-loving nerd and a ripped jock. Daniel had grown up in a home that was supportive and empowering of his goals, and so when he decided that he wanted to break the stereotype that nerds had to be lanky and socially awkward, his parents had keyed into that. Dan was popular and somehow managed to be a member of the football team while also being the president of the chess club. Daniel's confidence, charm, and friendliness were things that drew me to him, and soon enough we were extremely close friends. Being friends with Dan made it so much easier to make new friends, and soon enough I was getting invited to birthday parties and hanging out with the football team after school. I was glad to finally fit in, to finally be a part of something and not be alone. However, Justin had other plans for me, I just didn't know it yet. Now, apart from my little incident in the cafeteria that day, I had an almost impeccable record. I studied hard and had pretty high grades. I also was a model student, and I tried to be as valuable as possible to everyone. I helped set up a program with the school's library that donated books to indigent students, and also helped plan the school's first ever blood drive in partnership with the American Red Cross. I did these things because I actively wanted to make the world a better place, but it didn't hurt that they'd also look quite good on my college application. Needless to say, I was quite proud of my record at Thomas Hudson Junior High, and I was intent at keeping it spotless, and then Daniel and I were framed as vandals and arsonists. I had gotten to school one morning to meet it absolutely wrecked. There was spray paint everywhere, many of the window panes had been smashed, and right on the lawn, there were embers of what was once a fire. The whole school was abuzz with excitement and chatter and everyone questioned who could have been responsible for the attack. It didn't seem too probable that whoever was responsible was a student, but no one counted that out. Silently, people discussed who they thought could be responsible for it. What was a bigger mystery though was why someone would attack the school. To me, it just didn't make any sense. That morning, we got a few police officers coming in to investigate the vandalism. They asked a few students and teachers some questions and were soon off. The rest of the day, we could barely stay still. As a matter of fact, most classes didn't actually hold, and the principal even considered canceling classes for the day and sending everyone home. Within a few days, the school was cleaned up and the pains were fixed. And then one day, Dan and I were randomly called to the principal's office in the middle of class. When we got there, we saw our parents and the same police officers we had seen the morning after the vandalism waiting for us. 
The moment I saw the police officers, I started to shake. They told us they would have to take us in for a bit of questioning, which our parents voiced out against, but then they said they had pretty solid evidence against us about the school vandalism and that they needed us to answer the questions they had. When our parents continued to object, stating that we were just children, they decided that they would question us right there in school instead. One of the police officers, a short heavyset man called Officer West, then proceeded to show us on a laptop CCTV footage of two boys with masks on, moving around the school and even setting fire to the lawn. Those two boys, for some reason, were wearing Daniel and I's special jackets that we had bought together a few weeks before. Jackets that, just a week before, we had reported as missing. We told the officers that the jackets they saw in the video had not been in our possession when the vandalism took place. Thankfully, we had reported both the missing jackets to our parents, and in Dan's case, also to a teacher, so we were backed up on it. Still, the police said that they weren't ruling anything out, and if they had more questions to ask, they would let us know. News of the police's visit to the school spread, obviously, and soon, Dan and I were the subject of many gossips and hushed hallway talks. I'd like to say that the attention didn't affect us negatively, but I'd be lying if I did. Dan and I had to take time off of most extracurricular activities because of the whole controversy, which seemed to hurt him more than it did me. We also had to deal with weird looks and questions from people. It got so bad that we actually considered transferring to another school. We planned things that we would do to the people who tried to impersonate us when we found them, and even though we suspected Justin, we didn't have any evidence, and so we couldn't do anything. And then one day, Daniel came over to my house grinning wildly. Apparently, he had somehow gotten his mom to get the footage of the vandals from the school, had memorized the walk pattern of the two boys, and every day watched to try and match the walk patterns with people in our school. He had finally found a match, a boy from our class named Toby, and he wanted us to go confront him. It made sense that Toby would be one of the vandals. He lived literally a street away from school, and it would have been really easy for him to pull off. Now, Toby had a really strict family, so when we met him at his home and immediately threatened to tell his parents what he had done, he didn't even try to call our bluff. He just folded and started talking. So what happened was that Justin was still intent on making me pay, and he had come up with the plan to attack the school wearing our clothes and framing us for the vandalism. In fact, Justin had planned to hide the spray cans in our locker and call in an anonymous tip, but he hadn't figured out how to crack our lockers yet. When we asked Toby how Justin had managed to get to school on his own that late, he said that Justin had planned a sleepover with him just so they could sneak out at night and pull the attack off. Satisfied with what we'd learned, we asked if he still had the jacket he wore that night. Turns out he did and he returned it to us. We then told Toby that as long as he kept his mouth shut and didn't tell Justin what we knew, he wouldn't have to bother us about blabbing. On the way home, Dan and I plotted our revenge. It wasn't enough that we had exposed what Justin had done, but we had to somehow get him into more trouble in the process. Dan had picked up on the plan to plant something incriminating in our lockers, and so we decided it would be nice to give him a taste of his own medicine. The next day, Dan and I walked up to Justin while he was at his locker, and while Dan turned his attention away from me, I put a really small 3D printed wedge in the lock of his locker, ensuring that his locker would close but not lock. When he was gone, we planted my phone, a classmate's wristwatch I'd swiped from his table earlier, 
and the jacket we'd gotten from Toby into Justin's locker. Then we reported that a phone was missing to a teacher, and I suggested Dan track it with his phone. As you can probably guess by now, the tracker led us right to Justin's locker, and the teacher was appalled at what she found. The school authorities, and the police too, were called and after a lot of drama, Justin in frustration said he had tried to frame Dan and I, but he didn't go as far as stealing my phone. No one believed him, obviously, and his parents were called in. Justin was expelled from school, and he's lucky the school refused to press charges too or he'd have quite a nice time at the town's juvenile detention facility as well. He even implicated Toby too, which we totally expected that he would do. I was glad that he finally got what was coming to him, but he had to know that I was responsible for it. So one day I messaged him saying, the next time you mess with me, his response was swift. I'll always hate you weirdo. Having been cleared of the allegations against us, Dan and I went on with our lives, and we even got an official apology from the police. I haven't even seen Justin since his expulsion, and I wouldn't mind if I never see him again. I guess it goes to show that if you lose something in school, it's good to report it, because I guess, who knows, you could be framed. Our next story is, my cousin was going to marry my ex-boyfriend. I ruined her wedding dress. I grew up with my grandmother because my parents got a divorce, and it made sense Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. My dad gets custody since he was the mentally and emotionally stable parent. My mom was an alcoholic, and when my dad got separated from her... She couldn't handle it and started drinking heavily. 
He returned home after a year to help curb her drinking, but he was no longer in love with her. He was in love with someone else. She knew this and tried to console herself that he was at least with her. They would, however, have huge fights all the time, and my grandmother would come and pick me up. She lived very close to us, just to shield me from all that negativity. When my dad had had enough and just couldn't take it anymore, he filed for a divorce. My mom spiraled out of control. She started drinking again and withdrew from everyone. I was 13 at the time that happened. My dad wasn't shaken. He went ahead with a divorce, resisting my mom's efforts to sabotage the process, and he got married to the woman he loved, my stepmother. Their divorce was so huge that it sparked debates in our neighborhood. Some people said my dad was evil for leaving his wife for another woman and that he turned her into an alcoholic. Some others commended him for leaving despite her numerous attempts to make him stay. She even went as far as staging an attempted ending things just to get him to never leave her. He never loved your mother, my grandmother would tell her. She told my cousins and me stories about how my mother had always been crazy about my father. She said my mom even made my dad marry her. He never wanted to marry her or anyone at all at the time, but she lied about being pregnant. She claimed she lost the baby, but I know my daughter. I knew she was lying. When my parents' divorce was final, my dad got custody and I lived with him and my stepmother and stepbrother for two years. Until my stepmom got a job in a different city and my dad was to leave with her. I didn't want to leave my neighborhood. I loved it there. I had friends in the school and around my home. My grandmother lived in the area and my mom's sister did too. I didn't want to move to a new place where the only person I knew was my dad. I managed to convince my dad to let me live with my grandmother. I wonder now if I never should have done that. My dad did allow me to go live with my grandmother, but he never looked back after that. He just went from being a lukewarm father to being very uninterested in showing up for me as a parent. As a young teenager, I had serious abandonment issues, but I worked them out as I grew. Living with my grandmother was fun, but there were many times when I felt exempted. My grandmother just did not love me as much as she loved my other cousins. I was the rejected child amongst my cousins, the one whose parents didn't want. My cousins from my aunt who lived in the area didn't live with us but they visited us and had many sleepovers in my grandmother's home. The cousin who lived with us was some months younger. Her mom died at birth and her dad, my uncle, worked in the city. She went to visit him often and he pays for most of the stuff in my grandmother's house. He bought groceries, fixed whatever needed fixing in the house and all of that. My mom never chipped in financially. If anything, my grandmother helped her with money very often. My dad hardly ever sent money too. My grandmother made me promise to never ask him for money, so I never did. We just accepted whatever he sent, and I avoided speaking to him as much as I could. Despite my cousin being the flower child and my grandmother's favorite, it was expected. My mom used to cry about how my grandmother only loved her son. I was quite content with what I had. I didn't have as many clothes or fancy stuff as my cousin, but I was cool. I had great friends in school and I was friends with all the popular kids. I just had my way with people. I knew how to talk to everyone. I was on the school's cheer team and even teachers loved me. My cousin was the opposite. She had money, nice clothes, shoes, purses and all of that, but she had a bad attitude. Most people kicked her out of their cliques because she would try to ruin friendships. 
It was a pattern for her in school, and it was so bad that I was almost ashamed to let people know she was my cousin. She was very insecure and jealous of me. It was funny because she had everything, and it made no sense why she was so jealous. She threw tantrums regularly, and my grandmother would coddle her. She never warned her to stop being silly. That was how I knew she was my grandmother's favorite, because I could never throw tantrums or even wear a pout for too long. My cousin would try to get my grandmother to prevent me from doing stuff just because my cousin was insecure about me doing it, and my grandma would listen to her. Once, I was invited to a party of a teenage actress in school. It was a big deal at the time because everyone wanted to be there. My cousin cried so much about it that my grandmother made a rule that I wasn't allowed to go to any party unless my cousin was invited. I was very upset too. I tried to see if I could score an invite for her, but I couldn't. I put my foot down that day and insisted on going to the party. My grandmother allowed me, but my cousin was mad as heck. She didn't speak to me for nearly a month. I wasn't bothered by her malice. If anything, I was relieved. I very much preferred not being on good terms with my cousin because it was only when we were on good terms that she would ask me for weird stuff like helping her hand a note to a boy she liked, or some other stuff that I didn't want to do. After not speaking to me because of the party thing, she started talking to me again because I became friends with a guy she had a crush on. You have to tell them I like him, she would say to me. I didn't want to do that because the last time she begged me to do something similar, the guy said he didn't like her back. When I told her this in the nicest way ever, she burst into tears and made me tell her exactly how I told him. She even asked me to describe my body gestures and whether I was wearing a smile or not when we spoke. It was very annoying and things got even worse when she accused me in front of my grandmother of telling the boy that she liked him in a way that made him hate her. I was irritated by her childishness. How is that even possible, I asked, turning to my grandmother. Luckily, my grandmother supported me. I won't have another daughter chasing after a boy, you hear me? You are pretty, let men come to you, my grandmother chided her. I don't want to hear about this boy again, you hear me? I blatantly told her that there was no way I was going to tell yet another boy that she liked him. I changed my mind when one day, he visited our house and my cousin answered the door. He was mesmerized by her. He told me this and used the word mesmerized, since she had told me to tell him anyway. I told him she liked him too and encouraged him to ask her out. He did, and they started dating. We were just about starting our senior year at the time. She volunteered at an animal shelter all through summer, and she would gush about how she saw this very cute guy. I would frown and remind her that she had a boyfriend, who was really cute too, and we would laugh about it. I had no idea that the cute guy she talked about was the same guy I was seeing. I was secretly dating someone and was hiding it away from my grandmother and cousin. I can't remember why I hid it from them, but I just did. We dated secretly until I graduated from high school. I decided that it was time to introduce him to my family when he came home from college for the holidays. Since we had something serious going on, we decided to spend all of our holidays with each other's families. We'd sometimes spend Thanksgiving with his family and some other times he would spend Thanksgiving with my family. The first Thanksgiving he spent with my family was at my grandmother's, and my cousin wore a sad face all through. I called her aside when we were in the kitchen and asked her why she looked so upset. Remember the guy I told you about? The one from the dog shelter? 
That's him, your boyfriend. I was surprised because my boyfriend never even mentioned ever volunteering at a dog shelter. I know he loved animals and used to be a dog sitter, but that was it. I just smiled and said, small world. I genuinely did not think anything was wrong. She had long broken up with my friend from high school, but she was dating someone new at the time. I didn't imagine that it bothered her that I was with my boyfriend. She never even mentioned that she liked him, only that he was cute and that he loved the dogs at the shelter and they loved him too. I still lived with my grandmother, who wasn't in good health at the time, but my cousin had gotten into college and moved out. When my boyfriend was back at his school after the holidays, he casually mentioned that my cousin told him about my mom's drinking problem. It wasn't a secret. I'd even told him in high school about how my mom went in and out of rehab all the time. What shocked me was that she even had his number. I was very upset about it, but I managed to not show that I was mad. I trusted my boyfriend, but I certainly did not trust my cousin. She had always wanted whatever I wanted. I hated that and I was worried that she wanted my boyfriend. I was quite insecure about it because my boyfriend was going to get a college education. My cousin was in college too and I was just a waitress and still living with my grandmother. I called my boyfriend one day and heard a girl in the background. I heard her ask my boyfriend if that was me and she mentioned my name. When I asked my boyfriend about it, he denied that there was ever a girl. He was gaslighting me and trying to make me doubt my ears. That was the beginning of the end of our relationship. We had more issues and he broke up with me. It wasn't until I had time to really think after we broke up that I suspected that perhaps the girl who had asked if that was me on the phone was my cousin. I still don't know to this day if that was her, but five years later, my cousin announced that she was getting married. Our other cousins knew about it, my bedridden grandmother knew about it, and everyone knew but me. I had moved out of my grandmother's to the suburbs and was doing quite okay. My cousin was never going to invite me to her wedding, never mind the fact that the entire family was invited and we'd grown up together and were almost siblings. Most people at school even thought we were siblings. I found out her wedding when I suddenly felt the urge to visit my grandmother. She had a bad stroke and was finding it hard to remember things, events, and people. When I went into her room, she thought I was my mom and called me by her name. She then mentioned that my cousin was getting married. I was surprised. I asked another cousin and she sent me a picture of the invitation. My cousin was there, smiling arm in arm with my ex-boyfriend. Thankfully, I had moved past it and was able to get over the disappointment. I just called my roommate and told her about all that had happened. Next, I called my cousin and expressed my shock that she was getting married to my ex. They said, I'm sorry, I didn't send you an invite. I just didn't know if you want to be there, you know? I don't want to make things awkward for you. I managed to convince her that it was okay and asked for an invite for me and my boyfriend. There was no available spot for my boyfriend, but she sent me one. On her wedding morning, she was in her hotel room getting dressed, and I joined the other girls in my family to look at the bride and give the usual compliments. Her wedding dress was laid out on the bed behind her, I planned to ruin her dress. I even considered cutting it up, but I thought that may be too extreme. While she was getting her makeup done and everyone was focused on the bride whilst trying to get dressed too, I went to the hotel's fridge pretending to want to help myself to a glass of water. I saw two different bottles of juice, a juice box, a small bottle of ketchup and ice. 
I took out the ketchup bottle and went on to sit on the bed where her wedding dress was laid out. I watched to make sure no one was looking, and I emptied the bottle all over her dress. I did that as much as I could without getting attention, hid the bottle under the dress, and briskly walked out. I returned to my hotel room, packed my stuff, and checked out. Less than an hour later, my cousin called me cursing at me in tears. I heard some of the other girls in the background cursing at me too. I laughed loudly and hung up. I don't know how she got the stain off of her white dress, but that wasn't my business. I left town the next day and never spoke to my cousin again. So, was it justified considering they went after OP's boyfriend and ruined their relationship and stole them and married them? I'd like to know what you guys think, but with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.